Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are diving into Twin Peaks Season 2, Episode 17. Yes! What's it called? Wounds, Wounds and Scars. Yes. I believe. <laughs> I'm like, at this point, considering the mental trauma, I'm like, it's probably everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's about everyone. <laughs> Definitely. I feel like this one couldn't be um, a lot like just from mental wounds to physical wounds. Oh, yeah. So I'm, yeah, I, I was really enjoying this episode today. <laughs> Me too. I was, when I was doing the recap, I was like checking to see if this episode was like longer because I felt like I was writing so much for the recap, but I was like, no, so much stuff has happened. <laughs> and they're just squeezing it in until every minute. Yeah. It kind of did feel a little bit like, oh, a new breeze is blowing into twin peaks and bringing some new energy and new people and new storylines <laughs> yeah especially with that ending i'm like what is that is that the thing you were talking about last episode <laughs> um, where you were saying how the eckhart was like we'll take i have oh, we'll right. take care of the cop or whatever yes 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 me. yes and again Right. Still don't know if that actually, I haven't watched the next episode yet, so I'm not really sure if it goes anywhere <laughs> or if it means anything. I feel like Jones is a very like, huh, she just came in and did some shitty shit and then leaves. <laughs> we don't know that yet. <laughs> I um I kind of like her character, so I hope she doesn't just leave automatically in the next episode. So she feels very sinister. Oh, definitely. I can't really remember, but I feel like she's kind of like, where'd she go? What happened? <laughs> but I can't really remember. Maybe there is <laughs> something that happens to her you'd think i remember after watching this show like as many times as i've seen it that i remember You're all so the storylines but i really don't <laughs> <laughs> there's so much going on especially in this episode we've gotta save the pine weasel we've gotta have a fashion show that's really bad and <laughs> yeah and i'm developing goldfish brain the older i get <laughs> particularly today because i'm a little under the weather so my my brain may not be working up to par <laughs> I don't think my brain's ever working up to par considering I have to work all the time. <laughs> what is par? Par for brains. <laughs> <laughs> Three strokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was your first impression? Mm. If you could remember it. Well, I just, or, you know, hmm. <laughs> I was probably super excited because, oh my gosh, it's finally back. <laughs> Oh, right, six week hiatus. <laughs> and this is back in the day where you had to like check the TV guide to see <laughs> what was coming out, what right, a given right. day. Ugh, I haven't even thought about that in forever. <laughs> I feel like I definitely remember the Pine Weasel and the fashion show. That, mm -hmm. that is like a memory I still have from back then. And maybe Harry, Harry's unraveling. <laughs> I think I remember him his, drunkenly yelling. <laughs> his very stoic yelling. He's not very expressive when he yells. <laughs> yeah, but I don't really, well, again, my brain is not working. So I don't really, I don't know. What was your first impression? <laughs> I really enjoyed this episode. I kind of feel like for me, at least, this whole John storyline is kind of replacing the James storyline because I don't really find him very appealing in any <laughs> aspect. <laughs> Not that he's necessarily done anything bad lately, but I just, I'm like, he's just kind of a blah character to me. <laughs> he doesn't really have much of a personality. Yeah. And it might be my personal bias, but I always feel like Audrey could do better. Well, yeah, definitely. I think you're definitely not alone in feeling that. I kind of think Billy Zane 
to me has a little more charisma than James and a little more definitely I mean I think he's a little cuter <laughs> honestly and I think that I mean I would say that both Audrey and Donna both play their part of the chemistry well and you know I could feel it oh, a yeah. little more from Billy Zane I just feel like James I don't even have a problem mm-hmm. with his acting as much as the way he's written. And John yeah. is kind of just, <laughs> I feel like he's a nothing character, but at least he's not totally annoying. <laughs> he kind of he is in a way where it's like, I just don't know what it is about. It feels very much to me like the type of character James was is kind of like how John is supposed to be. Like he's filling that spot because you have these other young male characters who are have like a really big personality. You have like Bobby and even like Mike is not too big, but he's still feeling, like you can tell what his personality is, but they just, they just seem so boring. <laughs> John and James. And I'm just like, eh, I don't really care about this. Hmm. Well, I really didn't have that big of a problem with John. I've never had that big of a problem with John. Maybe just because he's not in it that yeah. much. And yeah, I mean, I was just about to say, like, he's not really like a humongous part of the story. So it's like, yeah. not a huge deal. And I, don't... Um, I still really enjoyed the episode. Yeah. And I don't think he ever does anything that I'm like, oh, my God, shut up. Like, what happens with James? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but I was really excited that we got at least a little bit of Nadine in this episode. Oh my god, uh, that's I, maybe that's maybe one of my favorite that's one of my most memorable Nadine things is her and Mike trying to check in as adults to the hotel <laughs> is maybe like the highlight in my mind of the Nadine storyline. Yes. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious. And then, yeah, and then just the the whole like Ed trying to tell her the divorce is happening yeah. and she's just like, what? I think I'm going blind. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It's like so cute and fun it's until so like the moment where she's like, am I blind when reality starts to creep in? And it's like, oh no, mm-hmm. no, 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 Nadine. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what's going to happen when she's fully back and she's like, we're getting a divorce. Ugh. Oh my God. Oh gosh. Oh God. I'm scared. But <laughs> I was also glad we got a little bit more Hawk this episode. Yes. Good old I feel like um, we're just getting little sprinkles everywhere, but... He's always, to me, he's always all reliable because he comes in to save the day. Yeah. And I was noticing that it seemed like a lot of our our standard Twin Peaks favorites, like the ones that make the town, the town, were all in this episode. Like the log lady was in this one. Lucy and Andy were in Uh, this one. And, you know, Hawk was was there. And anyway, I just felt like it was like, oh, I haven't seen you in so long. It's so nice to see you again. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I agree. I was really happy to see the log lady. It's been a while since we've seen her in her log. It is. Or it has been. Cooper, please do not sit under the desk and chew on boxes. That was very distracting when I was trying to edit the last episode. Oh, well, should we do the notes? Sure. There was actually surprisingly few notes. And again, maybe I'm just not at the top of my game today. So that <laughs> could be part of the problem. But <laughs> Sometimes I was finding episodes had like little notes. So. Yeah, there was just there wasn't that much that I could find. Even in the Twin Peaks Unwrap book, I was like, ah. I mean, these are interesting, but I don't think they really have anything to do with the episodes so much. I mean, for our sake, for our purposes. Right. Okay, but the director was James Foley, and I was very impressed by the directing. And this, oh, there were a couple yeah. moments where I was like, ooh, nice, ooh, interesting. 
which I always yes. appreciate. I don't know if he's directed before. I didn't really look that up. Um, <laughs> I can secretly look it up. Look it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did really love his opening scene. Yes. With the I whole was like, film oh, this feels... <laughs> Yeah, I was like, this feels so like vintage and of like a very certain time. And I really loved it. Oh, definitely. Right. Director. (laughs) Well, (laughs) he directed, um, I think, the Fifty Shades trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) Or no, just the last two. Sorry. I never saw those. I was going to say the good ones, but I never saw them. So I don't know what Mm, I'm talking about. (laughs) No, I never saw them either. And I didn't want to. He directed, I think, a lot of House of Cards. And then just a couple like series here and there. Like one episode of uh, Wayward Pines. And one episode of Billions. An episode of Hannibal. So I think he's kind of been around. Mm -hmm. And he directed the movie Fear. So he's directed a couple things, a bunch of Madonna stuff, it seems like. Interesting. Which is interesting. <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's very, very skilled. I was just looking up the writer, Barry Pullman, to see, because I was like, wait a mm-hmm. minute, is that a name? <laughs> I feel like this is a name I should know from this too. <laughs> I can't tell if he wrote any other episodes, but it seems like he did a lot of directing of TV shows in the 90s. So I was like, oh, that show I watched. That show oh. I watched. <laughs> <laughs> so as, for, as far as new characters... We got Heather Graham as Annie Blackburn. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. I know. I feel like I'm not 100%, but it, it's probably not the first thing she did, but it feel, I, it's the first thing I ever saw her in. It was, it was very early because I was like, she looks like a baby. <laughs> oh, totally. I I think it's there was some trivia I found because, you know, part of the reason they brought in Billy Zane was to give Audrey a new love interest because they didn't want to have her and Cooper. So they brought in right. Annie to give Cooper a new love interest. And she's actually Definitely younger than Sherilyn in real life. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> but they're both in their 20s, so whatever. So was, yeah. I mean, Cooper Who was cares? so freaking young, too. Now I look at him now, I'm like, right. you're a baby. How can you be that guy? <laughs> <laughs> baby face. We also have David Lander as Tim Pinkle. <laughs> yes, Mr. Pinkle. Which, was, was it the guy who ran the perfume counter named Pinkle? Or is that a different person? The, From back in the very the guy, first season. Maybe the know, first The episode. one who, who was like kind of grooming the girls to go to yeah. Wyatt Jacks. Let me see. Because... It's not the same person. I kind of forgot. Definitely not. The same. <laughs> Was that season one or season two? Season one. It might have even been episode one or could have been two, episode two. I'm not sure. Let me see. No, I'm, it's got to have been mm. two or three. I mean, it might not be Pinkle if you're looking at the name. I could be wrong. No, I'm just looking at the actors to see what is his name. I don't see him. We're doing a lot of in podcast research. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm curious, too, because I didn't make that connection, but no, his name was Emery Battis. Emery. I don't know why I was thinking it was Pink. I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) But Pinkle was pretty funny. Yes. Also, we actually got him last episode, but I didn't mention his name, but he was also in this one. Ron Blair is Randy St. Croix, who's the concierge, Mm -hmm. who it seems like he just got moved to front desk. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for this week. (laughs) And I don't think I had mentioned that Jones was played by Brenda Strong, but I might have. Brenda Strong. (laughs) I think there was... Oh, no, I'm thinking of. <laughs> so there I was thinking of an actress that was like a like a Disney Channel star when I was young. Her name was Brenda Song. Oh, 
<laughs> she's yeah i was like brenda strong wait <laughs> but no brenda song is married to macaulay culkin just really oh my god yep, we've learned a baby. so much in this uh <laughs> section <laughs> <laughs> very informative episode yes okay i did learn also that this the original script implies heavily that Mr. Pinkle made the weasel bite Dick on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it did kind of, after after the second viewing, I was like, it does kind of come off that way a little bit. <laughs> He's like, they never harm humans. <laughs> kiss right. it, kiss it. <laughs> kiss it. <laughs> when I was reading the Twin Peaks Unwrap book to see what they had to say about this episode, they did mention and so I could just say I was wrong last episode, <laughs> but they <laughs> mentioned that at this point, when it came back, it came back to Thursday nights, which I had said it was, um, but I think maybe it had been on Saturdays or Fridays, mm-hmm. the previous section. And so after the hiatus, maybe they came back onto Thursdays and they were like, this is your last bit. Um, just be prepared. <laughs> or maybe, I don't know. I think they did think they were coming back possibly. So I don't know. Oh, that's sad though. I know. What could have been? <sighs> but um, <laughs> I I have the Log Lady intro. Oh, yes. I haven't actually read this, so we'll see how I, how I do. <laughs> Sometimes, well, let's say all times, things are changing. We are judged as human beings on how we treat our fellow human beings. How do you treat your fellow human beings? At night, just before sleep, as you lay by yourself in the dark, how do you feel about yourself? Are you proud of your behavior? Are you ashamed of your behavior? You know in your heart if you have hurt someone, you know. If you've hurt someone, don't wait another day before making things right. <laughs> the world could break apart with sadness in the meantime. Oh. <laughs> yes. I mean, I kind of see how that can relate to maybe Harry, his world breaking apart with sadness. But who needs to tell someone they've wronged them? Nadine? I don't know. I was thinking maybe it was like an allusion to like, because we find out Josie's kind of like true past, like fully. And maybe it's like an allusion to like Harry wanting, like maybe in the future wanting an apology from her, but obviously can't get one because she's trapped in the drawer knob. It's sad. Yeah, that's probably (laughs) But that's all I have for notes. (laughs) Well, should we get to the recap? Let's do it. So for the recap, we are on episode 17 called Wounds and Scars, and we open on a dimly lit close-up of Harry's face with scenes of Josie and him together playing in the background, and some very emotional jazz music plays in the background. Very noir. Yeah, it's very noir detective flashback. Beginning of a new story. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Hard drinking. Sad about a woman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> twisting the whiskey glass <laughs> uh, but we see hawk has come to bring harry breakfast from the double r and i wrote hawk's the best he's wearing two belts <laughs> oh is he <laughs> i didn't see that <laughs> maybe one of them is like his gun belt or something but just the way it was i was looking at it it just looked like he had one mm. belt on top of another belt <laughs> <laughs> maybe those pants need a little bit extra help staying <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> But he, uh, Harry asks how the station's been, letting us know he's been absent for a little while. But they're still preoccupied by Wyndham's chess game and 
Harry says they can handle a simple town like Twin Peaks, or at least it used to be simple. This whole entire scene was so noir because it was like, or at least it used to be simple. So noir. I mean, this whole <laughs> Harry drinking is just like, but it's so, uh, you know, it's interesting to watch the day progress. Like he's already drinking yeah. at breakfast. <laughs> All right. And clearly it looks like he's not gone to bed. Yeah. But he's still at least in a peaceful-ish. I mean, he's still... He's still sober. Yeah. <laughs> Ish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe tipsy at most. Yeah. <laughs> he's not blackout drunk yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at least it used to be simple and that maybe the world's just caught up with them. And I wrote more like the underworld, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's the world doing this to y'all. <laughs> well, um, the whole we... world is in fire because Josie... Right. <laughs> broke my heart. <laughs> well, she didn't just break his heart. She also died. She broke his heart and yeah. died at the same time. Yes. Double broken heart. So at the double R, we see a young blonde woman enter. And I wrote in parentheses, Heather Graham, oh exploration boy. Uh, we find out her name is Annie and that she's Norma's sister. Start off with small talk about family and quickly move on to Annie's life outside the convent and her adjustment or lack of to it. I was just thinking about Norma's mother. Vivian mm-hmm. and how shitty she was and yeah so Annie I guess also had that sort of parenting yeah well, never I think good her, enough. Her, <laughs> yeah I would say her mom is always it seems like one of these people who was like you know nothing you do is ever good enough and <laughs> you gotta live up to this like impossible expectation so yeah it does kind of make me feel good that they have each other at least to be like mom yeah. a bitch yeah. But she tells Norma no charity, and Norma replies that she'll work her to the bone. <laughs> of course. I'm so <laughs> course. sure, Norma. <laughs> yeah. And then I wrote, I don't know if it's all the Jane Austen influence, but I love it when sisters come together and bond. <laughs> I know. Maybe. I feel like I always have a special place for sisters just because I have a sister. But yes. <laughs> yeah. It was very sweet. I love them together. Me too. We see Shelly writing up a ticket for Major Briggs for his meal. And then we see the log lady come in and she starts to... I was going to say, Shelly seems so over Major Briggs. I think she like rolls her eyes at him. Yes. What are you doing? (laughs) So unlike (laughs) Shelly. (laughs) Right. It was so weird because she was just writing that ticket and he was like compelling and she was just whatever. She's <laughs> over him. <laughs> Maybe he had a complicated order or something. <laughs> she was just done with it. Maybe he's always talking in big, crazy words, and she's just like, "What are you even trying to say?" Or maybe it's a Bobby thing. I almost maybe forgot she's that like a he's little... Bobby's father. And yeah, she's maybe she's Bobby. a little bit <laughs> over Bobby at the moment, and she's like, "I don't need any relations around." Maybe me. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but we see the log lady come in, and she starts to study the three triangle scar behind his ear. She looks, I wrote, she looks baffled and then glances down at her log. The log knows something. It's got something to say. (laughs) At the station, Hawk comes back letting letting Coop know that Harry is about to hit rock bottom. He also lets us know that Coop has been designated as the senior lawman, uh, which at first I was like, you know, technically he's the new guy. I was like, is it because he's the FBI? But then we really know that he just hates paperwork. (laughs) <laughs> no. it's like Cooper's stuck doing all the Twin Peaks paperwork <laughs> yes <laughs> he pulls out Josie's autopsy and we find out Doc Hayward couldn't find, determine her cause of death 
And I wrote, I guess Bob desire. leaves no trace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he says her body only weighed 65 pounds. Crazy. She, which is pretty crazy. Because she didn't look that thin. No, I mean, that has, I would say that has to be probably at least half her body weight, you know? Yeah. That she lost. I, yeah, because I was wondering if like, like, is it one of those things where maybe that's, she was like that small kind of before Bob kind of maybe took over her and that maybe Bob's presence was the only thing keeping her alive or if maybe he like kind of sucks the life force out of his house. I just assumed it was a very heavy doorknob (laughs) 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 or drawer pull I should say. (laughs) Drawer pull. (laughs) But lastly we find out Wyndham's left no response in the paper. So radio silence. <laughs> so next we go to the abandoned lumber mill cottage. And it was a Leo very was pretty bringing... transition shot. It was. I think I've used that one before and I'm always like, that's a pretty shot. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's like a, always a transition to like more nature-y Probably. kind of areas. Because it's always really beautiful. Yeah. Um, but Leo's bringing Wyndham his slippers as he inhales and exhales with his nose plugged. I think he's doing weird. that circle breathing, that yogic circle breathing where you breathe in through one and out through the other nostril i don't i'm not totally Um, sure but it seems like he's doing something like that that would make more sense than what i thought it was i was assuming during this scene that wyndham was controlling like doing a he was doing a bunch of things that seemed to be trying to control his anger and Mm. i did have some questions as to like is he trying to do that because he doesn't want to make mistakes because if he gets too angry he'll do something rash and get caught Mm. i'm not really sure but that's kind of what i was where my brain was going for him (laughs) that makes sense i think that's i I would rather go with that than whatever i thought it was (laughs) (laughs) what did you think (laughs) i just thought i thought he was literally like sucking in and plugging his nose and then exhaling with his nose plug somehow and i was like this doesn't make any sense <laughs> oh yeah yeah like you're a weirdo well he's got like that flute which feels very like right. trying to bring peace and he's always sitting like in meditative that makes more sense especially yeah. because i think coop makes like a, a comment later about his like he's very impatient and quick to anger so maybe it's like a yeah a self-regulating thing something he learned at the do you call it an asylum it's probably what you call it anymore <laughs> <laughs> I think they called it that, but I think it would be called like a, a hospital, maybe yeah. <laughs> institution. The location for the criminally insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Leo hands him the paper so we can see Coop's next move. And as Wyndham moves the piece, he figures out Coop and Pete's plan of a stalemate game, which enrages him. Mm. He says he can't tolerate people who play who don't play by the rules. And I wrote, that's kind of like the craziest thing to hear from him because he's breaking every rule of society. Some real double standards when it comes to rules. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But he starts to play his flute. He's made up all these rules in his head to begin with. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's definitely rules that he has made up that no one else knows. But (laughs) (laughs) until you break the rules in my head. (laughs) (laughs) But as he's playing the flute, we get a close up of a ring on his finger. And I wrote, I'm sure that'll play a sub-significant role later, so keep that in mind. Rings are always important in Twin Peaks. Apparently. Also, it seems like Leo is stuck wearing that robe for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did think. I was like, when's the last time you had a shower? <laughs> Gross. Month? Well, it's only been like a week. I always forget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Each episode is a day. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Uh, at the Great Northern, we see Audrey sauntering down the runway, showing two women how they should walk in the fashion show. So much knitwear. Yeah. <laughs> They're <laughs> both wearing like knit, really thick knit dresses. And I was like, is that just in at the time? Or is this a cold, cold weather type of outfit that I'm just not familiar with? <laughs> Maybe it's like a, like Northern Washington fashion <laughs> early 90s <laughs> dick is also wearing some interesting clothes <laughs> yeah well you know he's very into fashion he's if you got, would call like, it that a white jacket with blue like epaulet type mm-hmm. things and a weird bandana that's a different pattern i was just like whoa too much dick <laughs> <laughs> well when we see the fashion show later there's a lot of conflicting uh <laughs> patterns <laughs> but uh dick walks by them flirting and very obviously staring at their chests and they walk away rolling their eyes <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> but then we see Mr. Pinkle walk up, who is kind of the spokesman for the endangered pine weasel. <laughs> and Audrey informs Dick that they must work together on the show. <laughs> and I throw, let's see how that works out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we know what the script said. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but as they leave, John walks up in his, uh, and I wrote, in his best city version of an Indiana Jones costume. Because <laughs> he had like the hat, the like type of jacket, and like the closely like it was almost like a not a scarf but an yeah, ascot it, I don't know it is adventuring it. garb right <laughs> Audrey and him both start apologizing at the same time for dinner and they're talking over each other and they're both a little flustered um, but then John invites her on a picnic which leaves Audrey even more flustered he's got such puppy dog eyes <laughs> yes but I wrote, I don't like him, but I like that Audrey is feeling silly and like she has butterflies in her stomach, so I'll tolerate it for now. I know. I found myself getting a little like, oh, they're cute and smiley. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I have very conflicting feelings because of that same reason. <laughs> but then we see Dick and Mr. Pinkle going back and forth on if they should use a stuffed version of the movies for the show or a live one. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wrote Dick's insistence on using a live one, I'm sure will work out just fine. <laughs> Good thinking. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So my laptop <laughs> kept correcting the bookhouse to the cookhouse. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> so it's written as the cookhouse in my entire recap. But um, back at the bookhouse, we see Harry has still not eaten his food and has instead drank some more whiskey. <laughs> But this time, Coop has come to see him, and he lets him know that they received Josie's dossier from Interpol, and it's not great. In addition to trying to kill Coop and actually killing Eckhart and Jonathan, she's wanted for a variety of felonies in Hong Kong, and she's also had two arrests with the charge of prostitution, which makes Harry stop in his tracks. It's kind of like he's trying to rip off the Band-Aid, but it was so Eleanor and Marianne. Cooper is Eleanor and Mary. Yes. And is Hank. And he's telling you about Willoughby. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's a perfect, perfect comparison. <laughs> You're going to feel better especially... once you know what a shithead he is. Or she is. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because I was like, I wrote that the next line essentially is like an Eleanor line. That eventually <laughs> will help him to know the real Josie and all her faults that he didn't know about. Yep. But Harry tells him to leave. And when he doesn't, he yells at Coop to get out. He's pulling a real Mel- Marianne. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but at the Martells, we see Catherine looking at some blueprints for what I assume is her ghostwood development. She's got a lot of blueprints. 
Yeah, very big. And we see the camera is kind of close, like creeping up on her a little bit from behind, uh, or like at least from the side. And we see that it was from the viewpoint of Eckhart's associate. Find out her name is Jones and that she was Eckhart's executive assistant. And that she tells Catherine she's here to expedite the transport of his body back to Hong Kong. And that him and Josie will be buried next to each other. Gross. That's why I said, ew, why? I was like, leave her alone. <laughs> I feel like <sighs> Pete should be like, no, we're taking the body. We're burying it here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. It's just a, the last insult to Josie. But she's yeah. been here. She didn't come to collect the body. Yeah. She's been here the whole time, so. Yeah, she's definitely playing her cards real close because, or keep, uh, it's an expression, keeping, keeping her, her cards, cards close? close to her vest. Yes. <laughs> because, yeah, she definitely came with Eckhart, but it's the first time that she's kind of making herself known. So. Yeah. Clearly there was a plan in place. Yeah. I think it's the first time she did that line, too. <laughs> yeah. But Catherine doesn't trust her. And pull, pulls out a gun and points it at her, asking nice her why one. she really came to see her. <laughs> I feel like that gun obviously has no bullets in it. I mean, you can like see the, empty chambers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it seems like, to me at least, it felt like Jones was very unbothered by her pulling the gun out, which is kind of a little scary to me. She was very um, creepy. Yeah. I, I was almost like... Give- is she the new big, are we trying to set her up as the new, not, you know, Wyndham level bad, but the other like business bad? The, <laughs> yeah, it did seem like that. That's why I was like, I really like her character because she kind of is scary yeah. and she seems like a formidable presence against like, Catherine. Yeah. Considering I don't really remember her too much past this episode, I, I'm guessing <laughs> that she doesn't really become that. No. <laughs> but she lets. Catherine knows that she came to give her a gift and she pulls out a big black box and hands it to her and says it's from Eckhart. And she lets Catherine know that she'll be leaving tonight after she tidies up a few ends. <laughs> and I wrote tidies up what exactly? Oh, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> I said a present uh, from Thomas, throw that shit in the river. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and this scene really annoyed me. But at the Haywards, Donna opens the door to Wyndham in disguise. Oh! And I wrote, shut it. <laughs> he's the master of disguise this episode. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, he says he's here looking for her parents. And she dumbly replies that they're not home. I was like, never tell a strange man that you're home alone. <laughs> I know. I was like, Donna has no sense of self-preservation. <laughs> She's always you- like... Sure, murderer, let's spend some quality alone time together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, you've been in enough situations uh, in season one alone. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Girl. To know better. Uh, whatever. He says his name is Dr. Gerald Crane and that he's an old friend of her dad's from medical school. And he was on his way to a convention in Spokane. Is it Spokane or Spoken? Spokane. 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 I don't know why they spelled it like that. Well, he's on his way to a convention in Spokane and decides to stop by for a surprise visit. Donna invites him in and seems somewhat, she seems sort of like a little bit speculative at first, but like clearly not enough to invite him in. (laughs) I mean, whatever. I know she's like 18 or a teenage, you know, close to that. So she probably is like, I don't have to. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you're at least we were always told. Don't answer the door if you're home alone, which we were because right. it was the 80s. And <laughs> also, <laughs> if you ever, like, have to talk to someone, just tell them always that your parents are in the shower. <laughs> That's what yeah, my parents told or, me to tell or them. Yeah, they're, 
they're like in the bathroom right now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> something but no she's like come but... inside you look perfectly fine like just like yeah. a normal person who i shouldn't have any fear of whatsoever <laughs> i was like uh oh, but he does a good job of trying to make donna comfortable by telling stories of her father and him and relating to her feelings about being in high school and that he tells donna he has a small gift for her dad and leaves a number to the place where he's staying i feel like cooper should have some choppers in the air looking for wyndham right now he knows he's <laughs> <Yes>. close <laughs> it's like we have a, at this point would he be i'm pretty sure he'd be considered a serial killer because he's killed more than two people right um or is it just two people well i don't know who he killed back in the olden days besides his wife right but possibly more he definitely killed the guy with the chessboard and i right. think they were when they well, that might have just been packages mailed because remember that, that they had the letter of the sea with all the clues but right I necessarily i think, think it was just packages dead. yeah well, he's either borderline or he is a serial killer. So it feels like he's we should be a little bit more urgent. One. That is his goal. <laughs> right. <laughs> but whatever. Ugh, that's it. But back at the station, Pete is trying to work out some chess moves. He's my favorite. The best. I love him so much. <laughs> him and this whole chess plot. Uh, I, I definitely remember thinking Pete is my favorite character. I mean, I know I thought Albert was for a little while, but by the time mm-hmm. the show was over, Pete was my favorite character. And I'm guessing this is what cemented this it is for fine. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pete is great. I love that, that they kind of like put him into the storyline with this part. It's great. Mm-hmm. But uh, Coop checks in with him and Pete says he's tried pretty much every game he knows of. And there's <laughs> not one where no pieces are lost. So Coop lets him know that Wyndham also has the trait of impatience and maybe hitting on that will derail his plans. Yeah. I mean, that fits in with what I was thinking about with the whole meditation and stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. But we hear Lucy yell out in frustration at Andy for making an illegal <laughs> chess move with his knight. And he responds that it's optional. <laughs> but Pete lets him know that the knight only has one move, the hook, and that he must make that move. But by correcting that move, Lucy moves her piece and reveals she has check. <laughs> Lucy and Andy being chess students of Pete is just the best. It's so perfect. It's Yes, it's so cute. <laughs> um, but just then, Major Briggs and the log ladies show up, and they say they need to see Coop. And they go into a separate office where Coop draws the Major Scar on a chalkboard. Mm-hmm. We find out that the log was the one who noticed Major Scar, and that leads... Is her name Catherine? Uh-huh. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. That's her real name. Margaret. Oh, Margaret. Okay. This is like, I don't want to keep writing the log lady because it feels a little bit disrespectful. That's what happened to me. That's why I pretty much started referring to her only as Margaret because every time I wrote recap, I was like, I can't call her the log lady. That's just so rude. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Margaret Lanterman is her name. Margaret, 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 Margaret. So the log noticing Major Scar leads Margaret to remember her own experience and reveal her own pattern scar. Mm. And as Coop draws it on the board, she recalls what happened. She was seven years old and went walking in the woods. And when she returned, she learned she had disappeared for a whole day. <laughs> it was pretty scary. And all she could remember was a flash of light and the call of an owl. Mm-hmm. And the only other time she could remember those two together was when her husband died in the fire. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. I was looking at the drawing of the two scars side by side. And I was like, do they fit together? That's kind of my working theory. Is maybe they're going to fit to some sort of symbol, but 
we'll see. I feel like they both have to do with peaks, like two peaks yeah. or three peaks. Her her scar definitely looked like two mountains side by side yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. That was a little bit more obvious. I don't know if they fit together. I can't remember. I'm sure Just, you know, we'll in some way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I did feel like during the scene, I was like, yeah, it's been lacking Margaret Lanterman the most. That's what this show is. It doing. has. Because <laughs> I couldn't remember the last time we had seen her in like a substantial part. And I was like, yeah, I need more of her. Definitely. <sighs> oh, this next scene. Uh, <laughs> it's not it my favorite. So dorky, but it just made me chuckle. <laughs> yeah. Well, we go to uh, Audrey and John's picnic and he's speaking to her. I said, oh, no. Wrote, oh, no. It's yeah. <laughs> I wrote, so awkward with like a million O's. <laughs> yes. I put, I, I yeah, I wrote LOL and dork. Yes. So <laughs> have the same reaction. But Audrey oh, likes God. it. <laughs> uh, she does for some reason. Uh, Audrey says she's never been sung to before and that most boys tend to be afraid of her. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Which that. is, I don't think it's a bad trait to have. <laughs> but she says, no one really knows the real her. And John asks if there's another guy. And she says, there was someone, but not anymore. <laughs> and as they were zooming out, <laughs> it was like, it looked like the most picturesque, beautiful, like almost like a Jane Austen-esque lake scene. Totally. And I was like, I want to go on a picnic, but no singing. <laughs> no singing. She was really enjoying it though. And okay, Billy Zane, one thing besides his puppy dog guys, he also has some really great eyebrows. He does. <laughs> <laughs> this whole scene, even though it was dorky, I was like, when you just smooch already, I can't take it. <laughs> <laughs> it did feel like that. <laughs> uh, but back at the Haywards, Donna's parents are getting home and she informs them that they just missed a visitor. And she tells them who what his name was. And Doc says that's not possible. Gerald Craig had drowned on a rafting trip and Doc himself had tried to save him but couldn't. She hands over the gift that he left him and the card with the number and her mom calls the number. Um, but we find out it's for a cemetery. Very creepy. Doc opens the package and finds that it's a night chess piece with Wyndham's next move. Oh my god! I and just he thought leaves that was to take it to Coop. Terrifying. I mean, it was very scary. It wasn't like yeah. the, you know, like scary, like there's something coming to get you, but just like all, all the revelations the, of the scene were very scary to me. <laughs> yeah, just like the like realizing how like the proximity to danger that she was in because she was literally yeah just chatting with the killer. And do you think this will at all make her question the note ripped into three pieces she got recently? No. <laughs> I think I know Donna too well. This <laughs> we can hope. <laughs> Donna's house is so mob. I'm sure I've commented on it before. Also, mm-hmm. fully carpeted house just does not seem like the best bet for someone in a wheelchair. No, it feels like it would be difficult. <laughs> yeah, but... Maybe she's got special wheels to kind of navigate it. Well, it's an electric wheelchair, so at least she doesn't have to like uh, pump it herself. Push but it. Still, oh. yeah. <laughs> Usually, well, it was the nineties. Like, yeah, that's true. Maybe because <laughs> I remember there was a definitely at least one room in my house when I was like really tiny that had that pink carpet. In it, so <laughs> it well, was I, everywhere. Yeah, definitely everywhere was carpeted. But I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> not my choice. But uh, now onto one of my favorite scenes. We're at Ed and Nadine's and Jacoby's there with them, trying to help them through a difficult discussion. 
Ed is trying to break it to her that they need a divorce, but can't find the right words considering her condition. Uh, <laughs> Jacoby lets Ed know that there are no special tricks for this kind of stuff and that her return re- to reality will happen when her mind feels safe again. Nadine lets Ed know that she wants no jealous rages with Mike, but maybe just one. <laughs> Major final breakup. Yeah. <laughs> so serious. I love that she's like, these are the dating years. <laughs> <laughs> She's fully in her mid thirties. <laughs> and from what we know of her, she was never like this as a teenager. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is a very interesting switch it's from how she wanted to, to be as a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why you know, like when you're older and you're like, oh, if only I could go back and be a high schooler or a teenager now, knowing what I know. Right. That's, <laughs> She's that's like definitely kind full of advantage. <laughs> she's like i will do all the extracurriculars i will date whoever i want exactly but jacoby breaks it to her that her and ed are getting divorced and she responds to that by saying she's gone blind in her left eye oh dear (laughs) which i well i guess i don't know i guess it, it like signals to us that she's kind of slowly coming back but she's had an eye patch on this whole time so yeah and she hasn't noticed which She's living Seems. in her fantasy, Valentina. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> um, I just, yeah, I think it's kind of like played almost funny, but it's just like kind of also yeah. sad and ominous, you know? Yeah, I'm like, I don't want her to be upset. No. But I want her to be a teenager yeah. forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> please. But we're back at the Haywards and the doorbell rings. Every time I Donna's see a sh- the shot of Donna's living room with no one mm-hmm. in it i expect to see bob climbing over the Ugh, no <laughs> so scary but her mom goes to answer it and seems shocked to see whoever's there and we find out it's ben mm. and donna hides behind like the wall in the staircase to see what plays out and ben takes her mom's hand and puts the shush finger to his mouth this was like the most cryptic like what is happening scene to me in this episode because We've never seen these two characters interact with each other. Definitely. I feel like him whispering to Eileen without really knowing what's going on feels almost as creepy as like Wendell Merle. You know, it's just like, yeah, you just don't know what is like supposed to be funny and what is supposed to be creepy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what is he up to? I don't, mm, I don't trust it. Yeah. But back at the double R, Norma is looking at a flyer for the Miss Twin Peaks pageant. <laughs> and she tells Shelly that she should enter. And Shelly... Completely laughs at the idea of it. She's in a much better mood now that Leo is gone. <laughs> yes, which I love his new Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wrote, she does her best impression of a scene from Drop Dead Gorgeous. <laughs> it does feel very much like a character from that. Yes. <laughs> but in order for her comes up and she goes to take it and we see it's Wyndham in disguise again. He must have gone to theater school. <laughs> yeah, well, I, wrote, I was like, where is he getting all the money from these disguises? <laughs> he probably stole Stole it. <sighs> Stole a soul patch wig and a regular wig. <laughs> <laughs> He's got great access to costumes. <laughs> then we see Coop come in and sits at the counter almost directly across from him, but he's kind of blocked a little bit by like a little case of something. But Annie comes up to take his order and he's completely caught off guard by her. Another totally super smitten. Cute. The most <laughs> cute of all of the like little couples getting together. This is the cutest to me i agree I like people don't really like annie. sometimes people don't like annie that much but and you know also again yeah. 
people who were like invested in somehow Audrey and Coop getting together maybe had a problem when Annie came in. But I just think it's, he's so adorable when he's like falling yeah. for her immediately. <laughs> yeah. And it just like, it just feels right. Like it doesn't have that tinge of like inappropriateness that him and Audrey have. Yeah. But he asked for his typical order, a cup of Black Joe, and they introduce <laughs> themselves to each other. And Annie says she's probably going to stay for a while. And we see Wyndham eyeing their interaction. And I kind of like was thinking maybe he seems very interested in Coop's kind of reaction to talking to Annie. And I'm like, did he choose originally the three women, Shelly, Audrey, and Donna, because he thought that they were like love interest for Coop because it seems weird that he's like kind of really interested in this and it almost in my mind was like does he have this revenge plot of like I'm gonna take away your love again or something I don't know I'm not really sure why he chose those three of all the girls but maybe because they had the most interaction with him due to the Laura investigation although maybe really been watching Coop this whole time right I I mean maybe he's also in touch with some extracurricular forces in the woods and (laughs) i don't know i really was like cooper shouldn't your spider senses be tingling right now (laughs) seriously i feel like the whole like like... oh go ahead i was gonna say i feel like he should be on high alert considering that Wyndham can be anywhere (laughs) but you whenever he's not focus specifically on that he's not like we saw him yeah practicing fly fishing in his room and he's still got like that i'm so excited to be in this town you know even right. though <laughs> but there's something about this scene like the cuteness of cooper and annie and like the creepiness mm-hmm. of Wyndham earl sitting right there like the combination of the two just gave me like a really weird feeling weird feeling <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't like it but and he comes back with the coffee and warns him that it might be too strong. <laughs> but I'm sure that's exactly what he likes. Because the best as, way to Cooper's heart. <laughs> yeah. As she pours it, Cooper spots a scar on her wrist. Mm-hmm. And oh. so I wonder what that's about. Wounds and scars. Mm-hmm. I was wondering. I couldn't remember if that had happened in the scene after it was over. <laughs> as she goes to walk away, he motions for her to stop as he tries the coffee. In and the he tells her she made it just heart. right. <laughs> <laughs> but of course just then he looks over and notices that the biker is gone mm. like just in time but before he could think about it hawk comes in and says that they have a problem at the book house put on your puffy vest cooper harry's drunk and has <laughs> <Or> as, a guide <laughs> right or as my laptop says a problem at the cookhouse <laughs> but cooper arrives at the book house and andy greets him at the door saying the sheriff's gone off and broken every piece of furniture that's not bolted down and he doesn't know what to do it does look like that in there oh yeah it looks almost <laughs> very ben horn breakdown same yeah kind of immediate response well, to even, trash your even office. yeah when we see harry on the table on the chair i think is what it looked like yeah. i was like what is with the stacking of furniture <laughs> i have to sit high in my room when i'm having yes. an emotional breakdown <laughs> But yeah, we see the book cast the mess. He spots Harry <laughs> on his like throne. And he has a gun in one hand and a nearly empty bottle of whiskey in another. Oh, Harry. And they go back and forth about the law and some allusions to Josie mixed in. And Coop asks Harry for his gun. And Harry says he's never handed his gun over to anyone before. And he lists out the other things he's never done, like cross the ocean, go to China, 
and that Josie came to him and made things better. She didn't make anything better, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) I swear, every time, like, what name am I saying? Harry, Hank, huh? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But he says he should have taken her away from here and that he loved her. And as he starts to cry, him and Coop hug, and he drops the gun. (laughs) Yeah. <sighs> so much love. So mm-hmm. much love in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but Hawk and Coop put Harry to bed, and Coop says someone should watch over him tonight. Oh, you do. Is this Hawk say the man who doesn't love easily loves too much? Or is that Cooper? I, I think it's Hawk. I can't remember though. He really it sounds trashed, like a Hawk thing. Trash the place. <laughs> yeah. It's a mess. But let me go to the Great Northern again. <laughs> See. <laughs> What is his name again? I can't. Is it Randy? Randy St. Croix. Randy St. Croix. I almost said a Randy LaCroix. <laughs> I think it's St. Croix. <laughs> but we see Randy talking about a honeymoon suite for Mr. and Mrs. Hinkman. And then we see that the Hinkmans are actually Mike and Nadine in disguise. I love them dressed up as grown-ups. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, of course, Nadine looking like an actual grown-up. Like she... <laughs> but, um... She's like a grown-up. Dressed as a child, dressed as a (laughs) grown-up. Right. (laughs) But Mike's doing way too much to try and have some, like, backstory for the front desk when a schoolmate comes up and recognizes him. A schoolmate dressed as Punky Brewster. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, she does look like a 90s, like, kids sitcom Kids Incorporated. Kids Incorporated. (laughs) K-I-D-S. She's got like the sideway. There's several sideway hats in this episode. Yeah. A lot of plaid in this episode. Well, that's about to happen. (laughs) (laughs) But he gives gives them away because he just talks to her right at the front desk. (laughs) Not that he would have cared. (laughs) Yeah. Although I'm just like, I'm sure Randy knew exactly what was going on. (laughs) But Nadine becomes impatient and crushes the front desk bell and asks for the room, please. (laughs) And they grab the key and head on up as the as Randy stares at the crushing bell. Yeah, it's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, well, she's she could be very intense. <laughs> but then we go to the dining room and we see that it's been set up uh, for an event. Uh, Ben's giving his welcome speech for the Stop Ghostwood campaign. What is he tossing to the crowd in this scene? I don't know. <laughs> it was, I I don't know if it was just like I don't know pamphlets. I couldn't tell. <laughs> I was like, are those prizes or something? <laughs> Thank you for showing up. But he informs the crowd that some of his models may look familiar as they are concerned citizens aligned with the campaign's mission. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he introduces Dick as their host, and they start with their first model, Lucy, modeling a look <laughs> full, full of every pattern imaginable. I said this should be a theme for Drag Race. Plaid extravaganza <laughs> or plaids on plaids? Yeah. On plaids. I... <laughs> plaids. Yeah. <laughs> on polka dots, on plaid. <laughs> I want to say, <laughs> I want to say in one of the seasons of UK Drag Race, they did have a, a tartan challenge, I believe. Uh, well, this would be more like a country remember. western realness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I might be wrong. But then we get our second look, which is, I wrote the companion piece to the first (laughs) one, (laughs) modeled by Andy, (laughs) giving his best impression of 
um, maybe like a Tyson Beckford or something. <laughs> yeah, Audrey was wearing houndstooth earlier in the episode. There's just a lot of patterns going on in this episode. <laughs> they love a pattern. But then we see Audrey backstage getting the rest of the models together quickly. And we hear Lucy complain about Dick's behavior around the models. <sighs> Don't like it. Guess making your choice. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Catherine approaches Ben at the bar as he's dipping cookies in milk. I was like, has he changed? He's at the bar, like, in Pete-style right. fashion, drinking milk and cookies. I'm like, maybe he has. But then again, maybe he's just putting mm-hmm. on a persona for this fashion show. Mm-hmm. I was about to say, he's kind of, like, making himself feel more pure and young <laughs> and, <Yeah>. like, innocent. <sighs> She's speculative of his true intentions behind the campaign, but he stays true to his story of a reformed man who truly cares for the pine weasel, (laughs) but she doesn't believe him. And then he asks her to donate to their campaign, (laughs) which makes her laugh uncontrollably. (laughs) I'm for this campaign. I say save the pine weasel. We don't ever really need to develop a piece of forest, especially a terribly haunted forest because... It's going to be a terribly yeah. haunted development. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Uh, and that but, weasel is cute. Um, <laughs> it is cute. I mean, it was just a ferret, but I think ferrets are so cute. Yeah. Even though they smell really bad. But I've never, I've never kept one. I haven't either, but I've known people who have. And even just keeping one, it, they just have a very powerful odor. Mm, that makes sense. So gross. But then uh, Dick introduces Mr. Pingle to talk about the pine weasel. And he has a very interesting look on a lot of strong colors. He talks about the pine weasel and its innocence and how it's a victim to humanities, whatever. (laughs) And he pulls it out of its container, introduces it to the crowd, and he starts to mess around with Dick and tells him that the weasel wants a kiss. And as he goes in for one, it latches onto his nose. And then as it's thrown to the crowd, it runs through the dining room. As everyone screams. It feels very like silly monster movie scene because it kind of feels scary like a monster movie, but also silly. So it's almost like a, I'm going to say like a ghoulies or gremlins or something where it's like scary and silly at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I was thinking like a Stuart Little because it like at one point (laughs) is like at the, the camera angle is like at the perspective of the weasel and it's running around. Yes. Well, sometimes it does feel very silly, but sometimes it feels like um kind of scary. Like I don't know, not scary, in a scary, way. but like monster movie scary. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's a really I think well done. Gremlins is like the perfect analogy. Yes. <laughs> but the weasel's dodging heels and plates, and Audrey tries to calm the crowd down, but she's pushed off stage by a screaming model. <laughs> but luckily, she falls into John's arms just at the right time, and he asks her if she's okay. And she reassures him she's fine. And then they start kissing while the crowd continues to go crazy. (laughs) Finally. I got excited for kissing. Did I say they kissed in the previous (laughs) scene? Because I think this is the first time. I think this is the first time. But I was wanting them to kiss in the previous scene. And this one, I was like, Yeah, the lake scene. Kiss. Just felt like it was the right time. But we're back at the book house. And someone's creeping up behind the officer who's watching over Harry. And they knock him out and place a gun on the nightstand by Harry. And then we see it's Jones. Crazy Book house blackout. (laughs) (laughs) And she starts to disrobe until she's in a, like a nightgown-ish negligee thingy. I don't know. And she crawls into bed with Harry as he sleeps. And then we fade out to black. I was like, what on earth is she trying to accomplish with this? (laughs) 
We will Seriously. see. Ugh, can't trust her. Mm-mm. Even though I kind of like her as a villain. <laughs> yeah, it would have been cool, but... You know, maybe if there had been a third season, we would have had more chance. <sighs> I blame CBS. <laughs> I think it was just meant to be. Probably. Well, at least it's good as it is. It is. And yeah. Do you have a favorite scene? Yes. I liked a bunch of them, but I think my favorite has to be Mike and Nadine trying to check into their room. Oh, <laughs> I think it's the funniest scene. That's my favorite. <laughs> that's the cutest. And then I... I always love when we get a scene where Nadine has her superhuman strength. It always makes you laugh. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why that feels like the pinnacle of them to me. I just think it's so cute. (laughs) Them trying to check in as adults and being adults. And I don't know. But then I also really like the last, not the last scene, but the scene with the pine weasel and everyone running around (laughs) silliness and the fashion show because even though this episode feels like it's maybe getting back to a little more, I don't, I don't even know. It's got less kind of like, outside stuff and more just like yeah. twin peaksiness. Mm-hmm. I, I want the silliness factor to still stay there, which we got plenty of. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to let us down there. <laughs> no, I think this episode episode did a really good job of kind of blending the two. Yeah, the, like, definitely. The silly campiness and the spooky scariness. Yeah, I agree. Because there's, yeah, and then we got that like classic noir yeah. style thrown in there, which I really loved and it just yeah. fit. Yeah, I really liked this episode. That was great. <laughs> mm-hmm, me too i loved it well should we do the deep dive yeah all right well are we doing the weasel <laughs> i was looking through the cards <laughs> just to see who's left because we're coming to the end of this run mm-hmm. And while some of the characters do show back up in the return, a lot of them do. Some of them don't. And I mean, even like maybe because they've died or just because, you know, whatever. So I was hoping that we can definitely get to them. But I don't know if we'll be able to get to everyone. There might have to be at the end just like, you know. Like a special deep dive where we do a couple. (laughs) Yeah. And I couldn't remember. I'm pretty sure when we did Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, we did Laura and maddie i think so i can't remember if we did a third because there were definitely three episodes but we might have done jennifer lynch as one of them i can't remember because i didn't i didn't put it in my notes so i have no idea (laughs) but i think we might have done maddie twice (laughs) (laughs) well she was kind of a fun character so i think it's justified yeah but for this week we're doing Pete Martell. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I felt like he had a good, some really good moments in this episode. It was kind of hard to choose, but yeah. we've done a lot of, we did a lot of the bigger characters at the very beginning. And uh, yeah, so Pete Martell. He was born September 28th, 1934, and he is a cancer. Or, no, he was born. Oh, I wrote that down wrong. He was born. I was like, there's no way he's a cancer. He was born September. Yeah. Um, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> July 28th, 1934, which I'm pretty sure. Mm, no, I think August. Maddie and Laura both were cancers as well. And I think one oh. of them was born like on the 28th of. One was born at the very beginning. One was born at the very end. 
because I'm remembering this right, from right. I remember that. both. And anyway, so I think he might have the same birthday as Madeline. <laughs> huh. Interesting. According to these cards. Um, I honestly was so surprised because I could not find any extracurricular information on him i guess what? maybe he wasn't talked about in the secret history of twin peaks there's no updated backstory for him or anything so i think just what we get in the series is what we get about him that's just rude his card does say that he went to missoula high school which is the same as maddie i believe she oh wow missoula. that's crazy <laughs> i know i don't know if that was on purpose or not but maybe he likes fishing and games of chess. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> it says, accomplishments. I am the perennial winner of the Twin Peaks chess tournament held each year during the Packard Timber Games. Last year, <laughs> I caught a 10-foot, 9-inch, 364-pound sturgeon Whoa. out of Black Lake. We have sturgeon Ugh. here in the Suwannee River, and they like to jump and hit people in the head and knock them unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> we sure do. They're gross. <laughs> They, I always think of them as like an ancient fish and how if I was a caveman, I'd probably be hunting sturgeon. <laughs> yes, those and um, alligator gar. Yes. aren't like alligators at all, but they're just big old But fish. they got mouths like them. Blech. Oh yeah, his fish made the cover story of the Twin Peaks Gazette. And to my knowledge, Aww. no one has beaten my record and I challenge anyone to try. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to skip that, but... I appreciate your <laughs> fishing efforts. <laughs> Strengths, besides being able to bait a hook in the dark, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Weaknesses. Uh, Jess? <laughs> <laughs> Weaknesses. I love my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was Yeah. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, Pete. I love Pete. He's just... And, you know, now that we know he is one of David Lynch's Muses. favorite people... <laughs> Uses <laughs> or yeah like he's been in everything it makes me love him even more and mm -hmm. i mean jack nance or whatever but yeah. i just love pete the character of pete i think he is he's maybe he's speedy. where my old man love comes from probably, probably from my grandmother <laughs> i but. would say <laughs> he's yes. definitely one of the reasons <laughs> yes <laughs> he's a factor <laughs> i mean i am perfectly willing to say cancer i feel like he's a little less guarded than a cancer but then again, yeah. I don't really know that I... Because he's always willing to, like, cry and share his emotions, which I guess cancers are, like, apt to cry. But I feel like they're more apt to also retreat and not show their emotions. But I feel like I guess be too. I guess you could say, like, his... his Maybe his version of that retreatment is, like, uh, when Fishing. Catherine's <laughs> kind of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when Catherine's kind of, like, in a, like, a feeling of very, like sinister way and she's kind of doing these bad things and he never really like really stands up to her he kind of always just like oh Catherine. yeah so i do like cancer though because he's very emotional yeah i think cancer works for him i feel like i'm not sure what sign it would be but someone who kind of like perversely loves to be belittled <laughs> or... like a masochist <laughs> yeah, slightly slightly but like he likes to be challenged so i yeah. don't know what sign that would be but whatever that is i think he's got some of that <laughs> something <laughs> okay. fiery maybe his, his chart or is maybe uh, scorpio i don't know heavy on that yeah i agree yeah maybe cancer scorpio i mean Ooh. maybe he's into it weeks <laughs> <laughs> right Twin Peaks, there's always Cross a chance of scorpio in the air <laughs> <laughs> for dnd awful good <laughs> i will 
would say maybe neutral good just because okay. he's definitely willing to hide the bodies. You know what I'm saying? That's true. I guess it <laughs> depends on who. Because if it was Josie, he would definitely. Yeah. But I think he relishes a little bit of chaos, but he's not necessarily the instigator of it. But I think he yeah. might enjoy it a little. That's true. Yeah. I like <laughs> neutral good. That okay. makes more sense. And it's so hard for me to not think of him as Northing or Abby because of writing that <laughs> thing, that mashup when we were doing Northing uh-huh. or Abby and have him be like Catherine's uncle. But I think he would also be a big Jane Austen fan. He probably mm-hmm. rereads the books every year. <laughs> He's probably <laughs> actually, he probably loves Elizabeth Bennet. And yes, <laughs> maybe also. What his favorite scene might be the Elizabeth Bennett and Lady Catherine de Bourgh scene. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. I was like sort of getting, oh gosh, I almost said Dashwood. That's not. And what's the Woodhouse? Mr. Woodhouse vibes a little ah. bit. Just as like, he's very sweet and loving in his own way. Yeah. I kind of get Mr. Bennett vibes from him because he's got that um, little like twinkle in his eye, you know? Yeah. I like that too. And he's got so the wife is, that, you know, he's hound dog. He's like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Definitely a big Pride and Prejudice kind of yeah. essence to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe when he's reading Mansfield Park, he's like, oh, that Mary Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to tell Catherine about it, but she just doesn't really care. <laughs> She's like, if it's not Charles Dickens, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, lady. <laughs> well, I mean, we just saw her reading Great Expectations in the last episode. Right. That makes sense. I don't like Charles Dickens, personally. I don't think I've ever read any Charles Dickens. I... It's fine. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. No, just it's just, you know. Never connected yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah. Can't connect with everything. No. Oh, that reminds me. I got to talk to you about that book that I'm reading. Um, <laughs> oh, right. Okay. So do we have any other final thoughts? I kind of feel like I said all my final thoughts during the. Yeah. I think, I think the only thing is like, I'm interested to see what they use Jones for. I kind of hope secretly yeah. that she stays more, but. We'll see. Yeah, I am interested in that as well because I honestly cannot remember. (laughs) (laughs) I think when I've, you know, whenever you do a rewatch, if you kind of quit before the end, you're more likely Mm -hmm. to have watched the beginning. So I've probably seen the end less than I've seen the beginning. Although that's true. I just, it's been a long time since I watched the whole thing. And since we started the podcast, I was like, I don't want to watch any of it. I want it only to be fresh for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been even longer than usual. Mm -hmm. There's a podcast I listen to. I mean, actually, I support it on Patreon. It's called Bigfoot Collectors Club. Uh Uh-huh. And one of the hosts of that recently started watching Twin Peaks on Twin Peaks Day Uh or re-watching it. And he's trying to get the other host to watch it. And he was like, write in and convince the uh, other host why they should watch it. And I was like... I feel like I should do that, <laughs> but I, <laughs> you're the perfect person. Why? I really should because I've always wanted to write into them because they, you know, I have lots of creepy or not creepy. I have lots of weird ish stories, spooky stories. Yeah. And they like those, but I've never written in. I'm a Patreon patron. <laughs> I still have <laughs> they asked well, a specific thing that your... it would be perfect for me to write in. And I still have I say, <laughs> maybe this is your in. <laughs> I should, I should write it in. What would you say to someone as to why they should watch Twin Peaks? Who's never watched it? Who's been like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think that there are great characters 
that you really like quickly grow to like. And the story is just so interesting. Even when they move past kind of like the main goal of the show, it's just, it's always like so interesting to see like, what are they going to pull out next? Because like, it's so mysterious, this kind of supernatural element of it. And I just never really know what to expect from them. Yeah. I think it's fun. I like not knowing things. Yeah. And I feel like it's got a lot going for it. Besides just the like the mysterious stuff, which obviously they would like because it's mm-hmm. our whole podcast. <laughs> but right. like, uh, I mean, personally, well, I love the like the campiness, the melodrama, mm-hmm. the funniness. I think it's really easy to forget that it's like kind of hilarious as well. Yeah. And totally, you're going to get so many of the references that you've never gotten <laughs> throughout right. all of and television. Just, <laughs> right. And it feels so singular in that like you can definitely tell that it definitely influenced a lot of television after. Yeah. And you're like, you can definitely but tell nothing it. Like, feels oh. like it, you know? Right. Exactly. It's very unique. Yeah. Well, maybe that will inspire me to write it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should. All you're right. a patron after all. <laughs> I am. I have a direct line. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, should we do recommendations then? Recommendations. Uh, yeah, I have one if you want me to go first or if you would like to go first. I would like you to go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, mine will be a movie and it's, I would say maybe like, it's very indirectly related to Twin Peaks, but I recently watched the remake of West Side Story that Steven Spielberg did, and oh, I really loved it. I heard it was really and good. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, I only say indirectly related because the actor who plays Ben was in the original, but- uh, Right, and Jacoby. And Jacoby, that's right. <laughs> but it's just, it was so good. It felt like to me, very like a classic Steven Spielberg film where it has like this classic quality to the filming of it. Like it looks classic, even though it's really modern and the like direction of it was so classic. I just really, really loved it. And I love that musical because it's just, the music is so big and it feels so beautiful and everyone was really great in it. Especially Ariana DeBose, is like, she needs to win every award because she's perfect. <laughs> That's why I heard that she was really good. She's very good in it. I may have to watch that. <laughs> I think you should. I think you would really love it. I'm sure I would. The singing's great. And all the dancing is so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> you think I would, but I've seen so many of them in my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, everyone's seen West Side Story. So it's like, you know, I don't think there's anything necessarily new being brought to it. Like nothing new to the story as far uh-huh. as I could tell. But it was just nice to see like new people do it. And especially I think the the girl who plays Maria is new. Like I don't think she's really done anything. So she has a beautiful voice. Okay. Well, you're convincing me. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking through my podcasts because mm-hmm. and I was like, well, I might as well just recommend Bigfoot Collectors Club while I'm, since I yeah. already talked about them. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? They are, a, I think if you like Twin Peaks and you like that kind of like mysterious kind of stuff, you'd probably like them. Mm-hmm. They each, they don't always have guests, but that sometimes they have guests and they ask them like their personal paranormal encounters and then they have like a new little 
researched story each week. So like, the, um, actually, one of the hosts does some Bigfoot show. I can't remember what it's called. Expedition Bigfoot or Finding Bigfoot. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the other host, oh God, you think I would know their names. I just know their first names, Michael and Bryce. Oh, there's another one. Okay, anyway. But <laughs> the other one was in um, True Blood. Uh, oh, did you watch True Blood? Cool. I only watched the first season. Uh, well, I think he was the, um, like, the pastor who ends up turning into a vampire at the end. But... <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. Just kidding. I mean, it's really old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a really popular show, so... <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's a fun podcast. I really enjoy it. And I do I like I said, I'm a patron of them and they mm-hmm. they give a lot for their patronage. Like they have a lot of extra episodes that come out. Mm-hmm. That's always great. Yeah. That's a fun one. I've listened to a lot of those kinds of podcasts and I find this one to be very just easy listening and fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. I do love a cryptid story, a very spooky supernatural story. Oh, I do me love too. those. Me too. And I've pretty much heard them all at this point, like five times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you would think that I've heard enough stories about Skinwalker Ranch, but I will listen to more episodes about Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> it's so interesting. I've been, I've, I watched the second season of that show, mm-hmm. the the one on Discovery Plus, and I don't, I don't want to recommend it because <laughs> even though I watched it all and I will watch future seasons... <laughs> anti-recommendation <laughs> there's something about the show that makes the entire thing less spooky and less scary and even though stuff does seem to happen to them but the gang of doofusy guys that they have <laughs> running things over there on skip rocker ranch whenever they're like oh my god i'm scared i'm like oh my god you guys are so stupid <laughs> every single time and i maybe yeah. it is scary but something about the way they present it just makes me go I feel less scared that you guys are running around scared for this. But I was like, I really would like to see this show with five women investigators and like one guy who like, you know, checks the records. You know, like he, he watches the cameras right. or something. He doesn't look work. <laughs> it's just, I just all think, men like, and they're just, they, I don't know. This is a bunch of that, ding just dongs. A bunch of dorks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like, I'm not a big like, I don't want to say, I don't, like, I don't know what the word is, but like, you know, scary things have happened here. So we're going to go be there and see what happens. And I just feel like it kind of demystifies it because I'm like, the stories are what makes it spooky and scary. And all the, like the ins- people like recalling them. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see anything happen live because I don't think anything is going to happen quote unquote live. But. Well, it's the same thing with that Curse of Oak Island show. Like, Oak Island was such a cool story until the show started. And then I'm like, <laughs> guys, there's nothing. Stop digging on this right. island. You're insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I just I can't get into those shows, especially the ghost hunting shows. I'm like, just, I can whatever. somewhat, but I don't know. I, I still watched me. a lot. Of, like, I still watched all of Skinwalker Ranch and I will watch future seasons. I couldn't watch. <laughs> I had to stop Oak Island. There's like a million seasons of that one. But anyway. <laughs> Um. <laughs> hear my real truth <laughs> <laughs> this is a real recommendation if you would like to contact us <laughs> yes you can email us at madness at gmail.com you can dm us on twitter at mannersmadness or on instagram at mannersmadnesspod or you can leave a one minute voicemail on our website at mannersmadness.com yes and we also have a donate button there if you would like to 
contribute a couple dollars to our fund. We decided against having our own Patreon. Yeah. Because we just don't want to do the extra work. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We appreciate any, <laughs> any donations. And honestly, if you donate to us and you want us to do something, we'll probably do it. <laughs> just let us know. Or you could just, yep. well, I'm going to say you should donate. <laughs> I'm exactly. going to promise to do what you want for free anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll, we'll take it under uh, advisement. We'll see. <laughs> but donations uh, will always be accepted. <laughs> I'm in a mood. <laughs> <laughs> it's that Oak Island show. <laughs> oh, I think it's just because I've been under the weather. I'm feeling a little loopy. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Mm-mm. Well, that's it for today. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for listening. And we will be. Back oh, next I, week. yeah, I got to tell you what's coming up soon. <laughs> <laughs> with dun, 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 dun. I knew there was something else I had to do <laughs> <laughs> next week we're doing Sense and Sensibility chapters 40 through 44 and then we'll come back with 18 and that oh. will kind I mean we'll have a small breaking point there uh-huh. and then we'll come back with the rest of Twin Peaks very exciting very exciting very exciting we're gonna be wrapping up season two of Twin Peaks can you even believe it Man, I feel like we've been doing it the whole podcast. We have been. <laughs> been so long, which is fine by me. Yeah, we'll probably have a Twin Peaks break for a while, do some other David Lynch yeah. stuff, and then Fire Walk with me will be in our future. Can't wait. And the return. I mean, there's still a lot of Twin Peaks to come. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's still plenty. <laughs> yeah, but the original, we're almost done. It's kind of sad. Sad and crazy. But it'll be fun. There's good stuff on the horizon. I'm excited to get to. (laughs) Me too. But uh, thank you so much for listening this week. And we will talk to you guys next week. Good night. Bye.